want to make sure that you guys have some good uh, group time. I know we were a little pushed for time last week, so hopefully we have a little bit more time tonight. So if there's anyone that wasn't here last week, just real quickly, my name is Brenda Renderos. Um, we uh, got connected with Pastor James through uh, Shane Carroll, who is one of the pastors over at Water of Life over on East, and that is where I have served. I was on staff there for a number of years, and then I resigned, and I can continue to serve there and working with um, their interns and mentoring and just across the board doing a variety of things. So um, when it comes to the Enneagram, this was something that I took the test for it about four years ago, but it was a really slow roll for me to actually kind of dive into it because I had some apprehensions with personality tests because as I shared last week, I've seen how they aren't always used in the most healthy way, either others towards us or with our own selves. We put ourselves in a box and I don't function well when I feel like I'm being put in a box. But gradually, as I started to read up on it more, and in the books that you guys have, he actually has a podcast. And I started listening to his podcast and reading some other literature and talking to some people and started to really see how this is really not a box. And this is actually a lot of possibility and opportunity. And the focus isn't just about my uh, behavior or uh, what's wrong, but it's also about what's good and what I can celebrate about how God has put me together. So I've embraced this a little bit more and I'm still continuing that journey. So I get to be with you guys for these nine weeks just to share what my experiences have been, what I have learned. So it's more of a foundation of what you're going to get. Uh, you can go so deep into this. As I was studying again this week, I had to take a moment and just stop and put the books away because you can just keep going and just keep going. There's just so much to learn about it. It makes it really exciting. So our hope is that this really sets more of a foundation and opens up conversation. Conversation with each other, conversation with that inner person, and that those conversations would have God in the center of it. And that everything that happens, we take it to God and we allow him to be the one to unpack all of that for us, amen? All right, so why don't we pray real quick and we're gonna jump in. Father God, I want to thank you so much for our time together. Um, Lord, I love that Pastor James took that moment for us just to invite you into this space. And then that last song, that worship song, that place of healing. Lord, I pray right now, you know, Holy Spirit, exactly where each and every one of us is right now in our journey. And I do pray healing. I pray healing in every area of our lives. You know where it is that each and every one of us needs a touch from you. So I pray right now that as the word comes out, as these uh, truths, these promises come out about how you love us and you embrace us and you want more for us and you celebrate us, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take that and that you would plant them exactly where they need to be planted in each and every person here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are going to do a little bit of a, we're going to back up just a little bit. Uh, because some of the, the feedback was wanting a little bit more of an understanding of how the Enneagram is structured. So I'm going to run through that with you. Again, it's going to be very found, more foundational. You can absolutely go a lot deeper into this. I'm just going to try and give a little bit of basic understanding and foundation in that. One thing, I, a couple things I want to remind us all is that this is a tool. 
want to make sure we put that out there as a reminder. It's a tool. It doesn't replace the Bible. At the end of this, if it's not for you, it's completely okay. There are so many tools that are out there. And the journey is about finding what is going to work for you to help you have a better understanding of what's motivating you, how you function. And so it takes some of the frustration off when you're wanting to grow and you feel like you keep hitting a wall. Why do I keep hitting a wall? So this is just a tool. The other one is that this is meant to reveal what motivates us. So we don't want to get too hung up on the behavior part of things because then what happens is that, well, I'm just going to change the behavior. Well, that will only last for so long. We need to have some understanding as to what is motivating that and then address that. So this is really to help, help us to see what's motivating us. And then the other one is that we want to grow from this. You've taken the, the questionnaire and, you know, they pop out what the number is and what this looks like, and I want to run through it. And we don't want to just take this and say, okay, well, this is now how I function. No, the whole point is really to show us where am I on the map? And now where, God, do you want me to go? So what direction do I go now? And it gives me some, some guidelines and some posts and, you know, when I do the hikes, I got, we have to always look. I did this other hike where it's like I connected these two hikes, and we did the whole thing all together. And so there was that middle part that my friend and I were unfamiliar with, and we had to keep looking at our maps, and we had to look at the little markers along the way so we knew the direction to go. So that's what this is. We're supposed to be growing from this. Okay. So if you picture the, uh, the Enneagram, and a lot of you I see, you have your printouts, and some of you have your books. Uh, you remember what the picture looks like, right? Of the Enneagram is the circle, and then it has all these lines in there. Okay, so one of the things that you'll hear is called triads. Triad meaning three. There are nine personality types, and they are divided into th groups of three. So there's three in each group. And what happens is that think of it in terms of it being like an umbrella. So those three personality types will fit into one of those three centers. And all that means is that those three types have very similar blessings and challenges about them. Now, the different personality types are going to get a little bit more unique. It narrows down a little bit, but you have this umbrella. So the first one we have is the gut or the instinctive triad. Okay, and in that umbrella, we have eights, nines, and ones. The eights, nines, and ones have their own personalities, but they have some things that are very common among the three of them, and that's why they fall under that umbrella. If you look at modern medicine, and I'm not a doctor, and I am not a licensed therapist, so I always try and tread very lightly in this area, but if you look at modern medicine and you look at how the brain functions, you have these three parts of the brain, and one is called the root brain, and that's the instinctive brain, the instinctual brain. Then you have the limbic system, and that's going to be more of your emotional part. And then you have the cerebral cortex, and that's the thinking part of the brain. So our brain has these different parts in how they function. Have you ever met someone where they're very cerebral? They're heavy thinkers and analyzing things. And, but when it comes to the emotional aspect of things, that can be a little bit of a challenge for them, right? Or have you ever met someone where they are highly emotional? Uh-oh, I hear giggles. Don't look at your neighbor if they're sitting next to you. Don't want to do that. But they're highly emotional. And it doesn't mean that they're always crying. They're just very sensitive to emotion, right? But the whole thinking part, and it's not that they don't think, but they can tend to react out of their emotions, 
right? Okay, so those are those different parts of the brain. So you take these centers of the Enneagram and it's divided into three as well. And so what they have found is these three personality types tend to fall more into this area. So that's the first one is the gut or the instinctive. That's the eights, nines, and ones. The other one is the heart or the feeling triad or the feeling center. That would be the twos, threes, and fours. I'm throwing out a lot of information for you right now. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a, of a foundation here. Two, threes, and fours would fall into that one. Um, the dominant emotion for them would be shame. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because we're talking about twos. And I am a two, so I am going to bear my soul a little bit to you guys. Um, we've uh, struggled with identity, a lot of that we are what we do. How are we coming across to people? Concerned with image, we use a lot of relational intelligence. People in that center, uh, they really know how to connect with people relationally. They're the ones, they can kind of feel things out, they can read things, they know how to be able to communicate. They know how to connect with people pretty well. Oh, the forgotten center among that umbrella, meaning that the area that they are maybe not as strong would be the thinking area. Again, we can kind of get pushed by our emotions. Not that we don't think. Maybe sometimes we need to think a little longer. That's, gonna, that's what's going to happen over there. Then the other one is the mind or the thinking triad. These would be the fives, sixes, and sevens. That's that center, the thinking center. Dominant emotion there would be fear. Uh, tend to analyze things a lot. They do a lot of managing of, of pain, of things that's around them. They're a lot, they're very, they're very analytical, the way they think through the process of a lot of things. Uh, they're kind of like their way, um, the way they process life is the way that they feel like life should be viewed. It can get kind of frustrating for them. Their forgotten center is doing because they put a lot of energy into these other areas when it gets to the point to actually get up and do, that's a little bit of a struggle. They probably have lower energy. It doesn't mean that they're lazy though. And that's something that's a misconception. Low energy doesn't mean that you're lazy. Your energy has gone someplace else. Does that make sense? Okay, so now we have, those are the triads. I know that's a lot, but that's, we have, those we have the triads. The other thing you're gonna notice when you got your printouts with your results, um, they have growth and stress lines. So it shows your number, and then there was an arrow pointing to one number, and it said stress, and there was an arrow pointing to another number, and that was called growth, okay? So for me as a two, my, when I am in a stressful situation, I tend to go towards what an average or an unhealthy eight would look like. So here's what's good. Those of you who are ones and you came back this week, you didn't come just to hear your number, Good for you, because we're connected in all kinds of ways. So it's good to have a foundational understanding of all the personality types. So as a two, when I'm not, I'm in a stressful situation, or maybe I'm not all that healthy, meaning just emotionally healthy, I tend to look more of like the behavior of an eight that is not quite that healthy. Now, my growth would be a four. When I'm in a really healthy place, I take on the behaviors of what a four would look like. So that's, those are what those arrows mean, your stress and your growth. The last one, wings. Now this is where it gets even more unique. So your wing is your number, can be either to the direct left or to the right. So as a two, I can be a wing one 
or a wing three. I'm not going to be a wing five. How do you figure out your wing? So there's a few ways that you can do this. One, you can do some self-analysis. The books that you have in each of those chapters, he actually, so if you're a two and you were reading the two for this week, he has a section there that talks about what a two wing one looks like and then what a two wing three looks like. And you can just do some self-analysis and see where you feel that you fit in. Something else that you can do is on your, your printouts, it had uh, numbers for each of the personality types, right? And so your highest number was your personality type. Look for the wings. So I would go down and I would look for the one and I would look for the three. And which one, whichever one of those was the highest number, that could probably be my wing. Does that make sense? Okay. So, but still, you want to do some self-reflection here, self-analysis. As you're learning what these traits are and what the motivations are, now you're becoming more aware. So when you're actually functioning through life, you're not just letting life lead you. You, what happened? Okay, what, what you're doing, you're aware of what, what am I doing and why am I doing this? Does that make sense? Okay, go ahead. The number, so that's based off the questions that you answered. You did it through the Enneagram Institute, right? So that's based off of whatever their, their algorithm is for how you answered those questions. There's a variety of tests that are out there. I know there's times that people will take maybe two or three tests just to see if it's coming out the same number. Uh, some of you, I heard that you tied for like two or three of them, and that's okay too. If you tied for some of those numbers, get to know what those numbers look like. And now you can do some kind of inner work and see okay, where do I think that I actually fit in. You see, that's the beauty of this. This is not something that is this hardcore, this is what they're saying you are, so this is who you are. You get to be able to participate in this process and decide, is this really who I am? If I were to tie like three of those numbers, I would definitely do some research in those numbers, see how I'm actually behaving in certain situations, ask myself some questions about, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I agitated right now? And see how that matches up and then be able to place myself that way. I have known people that they have read through the material, they have studied the material, and they did their own self-analysis before they took a test. You can do it either which way. And it's taken them maybe some, like maybe five, six months to do it. If you have the patience, which I don't think is a bad thing, then go for it and do that. And this is how you can start to see how this looks for you. Okay, so the wings. Um, the wing is what complements your personality. So again, as a two, what's motivating me, that pretty much stays the same with all of the twos. Now, how that's actually gonna come out, what complements that, that's where it gets unique based on my wing. Am I a wing one or am I a wing three? Now, I've read where you, you some of the belief is where you just have the one wing. There's other times, there's other things that I've read where the belief is that you could have both, or you can grow into that other wing coming to the surface. So, about, like I said, four years ago, I took the test, and I came out with that too, and then as I was reading through the book, I placed myself as a two-wing one based on what I was seeing, experiencing. Okay, I think I'm a two-wing one. This past week, I decided to take the test again, just for fun. I like doing that. I wanna see what's, you know, what's going on. Still a two, but what came up higher 
for the wing, the one or the three, was the three. And so I started looking at the three. And I can see over the last four years, the things that I've experienced and what I've been doing, it really helped that three to come up. I've also been in a lot of situations where I've had to be more self-aware. I sit down with a mentor. I have a spiritual director I meet with every month. Um, counseling, all of these areas where it helps me to stay balanced and be able to ask myself these questions. So with that growth, my one and my three are maybe like two numbers apart. So I'm coming into that place where I'm just two and I have both of these wings that are coming back and forth. So things can change and you can grow in both of these areas. It doesn't mean you're just a two wing one forever. You can grow in this other area as well, okay? All right, now what does that look like practically? Um, so when I have, I can tell, especially when that one, I'm gonna pay more attention now with the three, now that I'm aware of that and see how that comes into play, but I can tell when that one comes, into, uh, comes up to the surface. If I'm in a leadership position, if I'm leading like a team on a, on a missions trip or something like that, that's where my one starts to come up pretty heavy because I'm paying attention to detail. I want to make sure that the money is being spent properly, that we can give the proper paperwork and records when we come back. I want to make sure I'm counting people off. Everyone's got a number, and you got to count off when you get on the bus. I'm not going to lose anybody. You know, what the facility's like. I'm very much like that one comes in. There's, there's uh, deadlines you need to meet, uh, spreadsheets, all of, that kind, all of that. But I can quickly now go into that, too, where I am more of the helper, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. And I can help with the spiritual formation when it comes to the team and minister to the people on the team. Now, in my normal everyday life here, I am probably just stronger in that two area. Just much more stronger in that two, because that's just the nature of what I do. That one pops up when it needs to. It complements my personality. The three is going to pop up when it needs to. It's, gonna it's not going to take over. It's just going to complement my personality. Does that make sense? So that's why we could, you and I, one of you, someone could be a two, we could both be a two, but it may look different because you have a different wing than I do. Again, it also has to do with culture, too. It could be your age, it could be your level of experiences, it could be your cultural background, your ethnic background. You know, I'm mixed, I'm black and Mexican, and so the culture that I grew up in was a little different, and that has a huge influence on me. Uh, my travels have played, have been a huge influence on me, you know, because of just the experiences I've had with other cultures and the, the things that they're going through. It's had a huge influence on me. And so all of those things can come to play. They're not necessarily always gonna look exactly the same. Okay, so let's get into it. Type two, the helper. Type two, the helper. They, we do exactly what the title says. We help people. We help and we serve people. Um, type twos tend to be really good listeners because they don't just hear what you're saying, they're listening to what you're saying. Type twos tend to be the ones where, you know, you're talking and they're hearing what's behind what you're saying. If you've ever known someone, or maybe you're a two, and maybe people have told you this before, it's so weird. It's like you know what's going on. You can walk into a room and you kind of get a feel for what's going on. A lot of times there's spiritual gifts that are there, and it can also be personality that's there. Who put all that together? Yes, God did. 
We've been fearfully and wonderfully made by him, right? Why wouldn't he use our personalities that way? He made us this way, and that's why it's good to be able to celebrate the way that he has crafted us. Type twos tend to be the ones that are very present in that precise moment, not necessarily thinking a lot about the past or thinking a lot about the future, but we're right here in this moment with you. Those would be the type twos. Uh, type twos are really good at creating safe places for people. If that is you, then you may have had people tell you they just feel safe with you. They feel like they can talk to you. Or you may have noticed that you didn't have to say too much, and all of a sudden, people are just sharing their life story with you. And all you said was, hey, how you doing? You know, I mean, I'm being I'm joking. But, you know, you're, you, may, you, may feel, you may realize that you're just, that, that tends to happen very naturally for you. Type twos are really good at being able to create those safe places for, for people. And you reflect God's heart for service. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Here are the challenges that come with twos. Challenges. Our identity can grow wrapped up in what we do. We feel like we are what we do. If I'm not helping someone, then I'm not good. I'm not worthy. I have to be helping someone. Our identities can get too easily wrapped up in what we do. Uh, shame can be a challenge. Shame in the sense of we can feel ashamed that we have needs. As type twos, it's kind of a difficult thing to ask for help. And that actually happened fairly recently. Um, my car, the battery went dead. It was on a Sunday. It went dead. And so we're going back and forth. And uh, AAA comes out, and we can buy a battery from them, but we think that the battery might still be under warranty from the dealer. And so my husband was going to wait till Monday to be able to take the car, the battery to the dealer after work, or if not, go to Costco, buy a battery, and he can put it in. Either way, we would save money than having AAA do it and us paying for the battery. So that meant I was going to be without a car that Monday. I had meetings on Monday. And I'm trying to figure out how I can resituate the whole thing and have someone, maybe they can come to my house. These are people I've met with, they can come to my house. One of the meetings uh, was actually gonna be at the church office. Maybe I can just FaceTime in for that one. Now here's the thing. We have two older kids, 23 and 18. They drive, they have their own cars. And they were okay with mom using the car. Was mom okay with that? No, mom was having a really hard time taking from them. And so my husband and I later had a um, discussion about why won't I let the kids help me? Well, because for me, it's like, I don't want to take the car from my oldest son. He needs that for work. And then our daughter, I know her personality and where she works. She works at a bakery. Like when she has a break, her car is her safe place where she can just regroup and then go back in. I don't want to take her car. It was all about their needs and not mine. And they were perfectly willing to help mom out. That was the first lap. Didn't get it the first lap. Second lap comes around. And one of the gals that I'm texting and I'm telling her, hey, can we just meet at my house? Can we, you know, this is what's happening. And she's like, yeah, for sure, we can meet there. But you know what I, you know what I can do? I can pick you up. And we can go to breakfast, and we can meet, and then I can take you to the meeting, and I can bring you home. Oh, my goodness. That's, like, even worse. <laughs> Which I didn't take my kid's car. <laughs> like, no. Okay, God, second lap. 
But see, I'm aware. I'm aware of what's happening. I'm aware of what's motivating me. This does not mean that I'm not worthy because I'm the one that's in need right now. It's okay. So I said yes. It was uncomfortable, but I said yes. And this was my way of stretching out of this place and being able to say, I do need help in this area, and it's okay to have this help. Now, it was a blessing because the time that she and I were going to have together was probably like an hour, but it extended because we're in the car. So we got a lot of extra time there. But I got it on the second lap, and it was, and my husband was right. Why wouldn't I allow my kids to help me? There was something really hard with me being able to be able to say, I have a need too, and it's okay for someone to help. So we can neglect our own needs. We can be taken advantage of if we're not careful, and we can be distracted by the details of helping. And we're going to get into a Bible story that kind of demonstrates that a little bit. If you look at in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, we have the story of Mary and Martha. It says here, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, Jesus did, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Now, let me explain something here just to put some context. She was sitting, Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet being taught by him. you got to remember when you're reading scripture to look at the context of the culture of that time. As women... We were not given those opportunities during that time to really be taught in that way. So for her, she was taking full advantage that Jesus was there and was not going to push her away. She wanted to sit right there and learn from him. This was a huge thing that was happening. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, I love how we like to come up to the Lord and school him a little bit. I know we've all done it. Don't act like you haven't. And we've all done it. Lord, you do not care that my sister has led me to do all the serving alone. Then tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I know Martha gets a bad rap all the time. The thing is, is that what Martha was doing was good. What she was, we need that. We need the Marthas, right? We need the Marys. Where Martha went astray was that she allowed all the details to distract her. Distract her from what? This amazing opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn. Sometimes it's okay if there's going to be dishes in the sink. Sometimes it's going to be okay if the carpet wasn't vacuumed or the, floor, or, or the, the office isn't organized, that we can get too caught up in all of the details of helping that things are good, that we miss the thing that is greater. And maybe that's to sit at the feet of Jesus, right? What kind of distractions can come in? We can get so busy going, going, going because I'm helping, helping, helping people. But what can happen with twos is that we get so get caught up with the busyness of things that we don't know what it's like to be still and to be quiet. And there's a fear that can come in being still and quiet. Why? What is this stillness telling me right now? Maybe this stillness is telling me, if you're not moving and grooving and helping people, then what kind of Christ follower are you? Okay, that's not the Lord. 
right? What is this stillness telling me? Oh, you know what? Nobody's texted you all day asking for advice. Yeah? Guess you don't have what they need anymore. Guess they've forgotten about you. And then what do we do? We start going down our list, checking in on people. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? One of the things I've had to put on pra in practice is to really stop and pause before I do that. A lot of my con, because I work with a lot of young adults, is through text message. I, I, even for me personally, I've gotten to the point if the phone rings, I freak out. Why is this ringing right now, OK? But it's text message. So before I will text someone and ask them, hey, how you doing? I put a pause. And I ask myself, what's going inside, on inside of you, Bren? Is it because the phone hasn't gone off? Is it because you feel forgotten? Is there a need that needs to be met? Because we have to be careful with that need to be needed. And I don't want to feed that. Only the Lord is the one that's going to fill me in those areas. So I put a pause button on there. And then I watch what my language is. Oh, you know, I've just been thinking and praying about you. Wanted to check in on you, see how you're doing. Have I really been thinking about them? Have I really been praying about them? Mm. So I put these little checks on myself before I will do something like that. Now, a core fear for twos um, is being unworthy and being rejected or being forgotten, which is another form of feeling rejected. You know, if I don't help people, everything that God has blessed me with, if I don't just constantly keep pouring that out to the point of exhaustion, then I'm not worthy. But I have to be reminded that I have a seat at the table because, not because of anything that I've done, not because of the number of people that I've helped, but because the Son of God came, because the Son of God lived, because the Son of God died, and the Son of God rose again. That's why I have a seat at the table. And I have to remember, that's where my worthiness comes from. Core desire or need for twos is being appreciated, loved, and wanted. At the very core of who we are, we want to be loved and wanted, not because of what we have to give you, but because of just who we are. That is like the greatest gift. So one of these times, I was sitting with one of my mentors, and I was super frustrated and angry, and this was probably like a few years ago, because I just care for people, and I just love on people. And when I'm going through something, they don't care and love on me the same way that I'm caring and loving on them. And it was a real thing. Like, I kid you not, real thing. In our house, I'm telling my husband, I am just going to stop caring and loving on people. Like, that would be physically possible for me. It happens for maybe five minutes. And then I'm like, how you doing? Are you OK? You know, like, no. But I was just so hurt. I was so hurt and wounded. So as I was talking to her, she asked me, OK, who do you consider like your friends? I give her my list, you know, the friends and everything. And how did you become friends? How did that re those relationships start? And I had this aha moment. Oh, I was mentoring this one. Oh, this one had a need. And I was able to walk with her through this. And realizing that all those relationships started with something that I could give them. So her challenge to me was, don't get rid of those friends. But her challenge to me was to start entering into relationships with people who don't need anything from me. We can just walk together. And so I started being really intentional in that because it's a reminder to me that I can be loved and wanted and it has nothing to do with what I can give you.
it has to do with it. You just love me as a person. I'm a daughter of the king. Okay, so our core weakness, our challenge, or our deadly sin is this hard. This one's a little hard to see because for the ones we said it was anger, frustration, so you can see that come out on the surface a little bit more in different ways. For twos, it's a little bit more hidden because it's pride. It's really hard to admit when we need help. And that's a little hard because we're going to dig in and we're probably going to start helping others even more. Here's something else that can happen, or at least what's gone through my head. Why am I sitting here, for me, complaining? Because I just, I can't stand complaining. I just, oh my goodness, gets on my last nerve. And so I feel like I'm complaining when I feel like I have these needs, when there's all these other people that are hurting. And I always put their needs above mine. How, why am I sitting here upset and hurt and crying about this when there's all these people that are in so much pain right now? And I can get mixed up with that. And so I can start denying my needs, and I can start helping others for the wrong reason. I'm not helping them because God has led me into this place of helping them. I'm helping them because I'm feeding a need in my own life. And that's something that is very common when we're in ministry. We have to be very careful. What we're doing needs to be what we're doing because God has called us to do that and is coming out of the heart of Christ, but not because we're trying to feed a need within ourselves. Because it will never be enough. It will never be enough. The only one that's going to be able to feed that need within us is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Okay, our core longings is that we are wanted and loved. So now if we talk about our growth and our stress lines, okay? So for the two, we talked about the stress line for me is the eight. So I'm stressful situations. Maybe I'm not all that healthy. What happens is I'll start to see these tendencies where I am losing. I don't trust as many people around me. I'm starting to question people a little bit. Um, deflect blame. I become controlling and agitated and demanding. Uh, I think I was being pretty demanding when I just, you know, pounded my fist and said, I'm not going to love and care for people anymore because they're not loving and caring for me. The thing is that they were loving and caring for me, but just in their way. And I was demanding it, it would be done my way. So when you're in that place of, place of growth as a two, uh, and you look a little bit more like that four, here's what it looks like. You gain the ability to be more inward focused. You accept and admit your own painful feelings, and you express them creatively. So I can now look in, and I can just take a moment and be aware, why am I feeling this way? So I had an appointment this past week, and I had to meet this person, and it was more of a professional context. And so I have certain standards when it's a professional context. My head just goes there. And I show up to where we're supposed to meet, and I don't see this person, so I text the person, and the person says, Brent, you know, can you call me? And so I call. And, you know, they're, they're, something came up. They're not going to have to reschedule the appointment. Okay. I get back in the car, and I'm going home, and I'm feeling really agitated right now because I, I drove all the way there. I showed up for this, and, you know, could they have not given me a warning, a heads up, I, all of this. I'm getting agitated. And so then I have to, as I'm driving, I'm just doing some inward conversation. Okay, why are you really agitated right now? Well, it's not honoring of my time. It's not this. It's not that. Mm, but you have grace for people on that. Why are you really agitated right now? Well, because now I have some doubt. Oh, so this has to do about how you're feeling about yourself. Yeah. 
So you see how you want to be able to, as you, as you get healthier, you start to get a little bit more reflective of what's happening inside of you and asking some of those questions, opposed to just reacting to what you're feeling in that moment. Now for the two, here are the wings. If you're a wing one, tend to have a more balanced uh, focus on um, people with a dedication to tasks. So meaning that you're not so caught up in the task, but you're also being aware of the people that are connected to those tasks. So you're not just trying to make sure that everything is just completely organized, that the seats are all set up just perfectly, but you're also paying attention to the people. And you will be able to connect with the people and allow those tasks to be set aside if they need to be set aside. Uh, more discerning about situations and people, you pay more attention to detail, and you have an increased ability to be firm and to say no. So again, this is where that one for me will come up when I'm taking a team overseas. Because I gotta balance my connection with people, but also my attention to detail. I have to be able to be strong enough to say no. Our team, uh, you know what, our team needs a break right now. Our teams, they drive pretty hard. When we go overseas, they drive pretty hard. And I have to be able to look and discern when I don't wanna let the host down, but I also am there, I, gotta, I have to protect my team. And if the team needs a break, then I have to be willing to say, no, we can't do that project. I think our team needs a bit of a break. That's where that balance is gonna come in. So the wing three, uh, more comfortable with being visible, meaning taking on leadership positions, being more upfront, because uh, sometimes twos kind of like to be behind the scenes, but if you have a wing three, you get a little bit more comfortable being um, at the front of situations and more comfortable acknowledging their desire to be successful. I know that was something that was really hard for me. Uh, we mentioned about uh, Shane Carroll over there and I started working with him and we would sit down and we would have our meetings and he would ask me all these horrible questions like, where do I want to go from here? Not a horrible question, but for me, it just felt like, I don't want to talk about success that I want to have. I thought, we could talk about other people, but not me. So that three comes in and helps balance that out with, I'm a little bit more comfortable being able to say, I really think this is something God has put on my heart, and I would like to succeed in this. Because I know my desire to succeed in this isn't about any kind of self-glory, is that if I can succeed in this, then I can touch more people. God can use me in this way. And I become a little bit more comfortable with that, where there was definitely, and I can't say I'm totally comfortable with it. I still get super awkward with it. But I understand, I look at it a little bit differently. So that's where the wings start to come in for a two. Uh, the twos in the heart triad. Uh, so those are the twos, threes, and fours. They attempt to control their shame by getting other people to like them and think of them as good people. So when I start to feel ashamed at the fact that I have, I have, I have these needs, or things aren't quite working out, or then maybe I will start to pour myself into other people because when they start to say, oh my goodness, thank you so much for being there for me, thank you for walking with me through this, it somehow affirms me that, no, see, I'm okay, when the reality is that I'm not really totally okay. Then we have um, focus, they don't focus as much on positive feelings and negative feelings. So. As twos, we can really look at the positive in situations. We look at the positive in people. But what can be hard is admitting when we have negative feelings towards people. Because that's not a good Christian. If I have a negative feeling towards someone, that's what the inner voice says. Instead, 
Taking that thought captive, remember we talked about that last week, taking that thought captive doesn't mean ignoring it or hiding it because I'm, I'm going to go help more people. It means actually addressing it. Why do I have these negative feelings towards this person, these negative emotions towards this person? They feel wanted when they receive positive emotional responses from others. So the, yes, the compliments, when you compliment the twos, they feel wanted. It's like this warm embrace that comes around us when that happens. Um, again, I get super awkward. I've never really learned quite well how to handle a compliment. If you can see what was happening inside, I am praying that the ground opens up and swallows me. I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. But if there is a warmth that's there. What I have to be careful with is that I'm not striving for that. Have you ever had times when someone comes up to you and says something like, yeah, you know, I saw you when you did that thing. Yeah, cool, yeah, and that's it. And what are you left wondering? Was it good, was it bad, did you like it, did you not? I don't know, you gonna TP my house later tonight? Not sure, right? And that happens to me where it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know. And all of a sudden, I'm consumed. Did something happen? Was I not there for someone? Did I not listen to someone? You know, and it may have nothing to do with that, you know? Okay, some spiritual formation things that we can do. Memory verses that we can focus on. John 13, Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. This is Jesus saying himself, we have to humble ourselves and allow ourselves to be able to say, I need help. Some downstream practices, remember we talked about downstream, these are easier practices, would be hospitality and service and spiritual friendship. We get really energized by these deep spiritual friendships. So these come a little easier to choose. What can be a little harder for twos are things like centering prayer, where we slow down and we embrace the stillness and we just allow God to come into that place. Uh, fasting can be a little difficult for twos as well because it's reminding us that our dependence is on God, that I don't have everything it is. I don't have all, I'll have all the answers. Some daily practices would be when a need arises, pause before you act, just like what I told you guys. If a need arises and you have this impulse, you feel this impulse to run into the burning building, take a minute and make sure, do you have the oxygen mask on? Have you had it on? Are you in the right condition? I like to ask the Lord whenever something comes up, okay, God, what is my place in this? Whatever that is. Maybe he puts somebody on my mind. Maybe there's a situation that's happening right there. And you practice this often enough, it comes pretty quickly. Lord, what is my place in this? Am I supposed to speak into this? Am I supposed to pray into this? Am I supposed to physically do something? Am I supposed to bring someone else into this situation? Asking God, what am I supposed to do? What is my place in this? And then ways that you can show love to a two. Take a real interest in their problems and challenges, even when they try to put the focus back on you. I notice that I can have a tendency to do that. We can be talking, and I can realize that the focus is me, and it's like my heart will start to race, and I'll just switch it real quick on you. And I've had to like catch that and just say, OK, just let it happen. It's OK. But take a real interest in their needs. I had a friend that I was on the phone with her um, a few months ago, and something had gone down, and I was so upset, and I was just like crying with her on the phone and frustrated, and she listened to me, and then at the end of it, she asked me, she's like, okay, Brent, 
how can I be there for you? Oh, man, that triggered everything in me because I'm the one that's supposed to be doing the helping. I asked that question. That's my question. Girl, why are you asking me that question? Right? And so I just had to tell her, you know what? Can you just be that safe person that when I do get frustrated, because this is kind of a long-term thing, that I can talk to you, and whatever comes out of my mouth in my emotional state, you won't judge me? I can do that because I know her. I know she's praying. I know she was praying as we were on the phone. I know she's going to pray for me, and I know she's going to always point me back to Christ. That was my way of being able to say, I need help. I don't have all the answers. Can you be this person for me? Uh, tell them specifically why you, what you appreciate about them. Don't try and butter our toast, okay? Like I said, I love bread and butter, but I like bread and butter to eat. Don't try and butter our toast. Be real. What is it that you, when you say you appreciate, what is it you actually appreciate about us? Because that actually helps us see that we're seen. And sometimes that's what we struggle with. We're doing all this stuff to help, and we wonder sometimes if any, anyone actually sees us. And if you need to point out something wrong, be gentle and affirming of the good as well. Have you ever heard of the sandwich approach? Start with something positive, bring out the thing that needs to be worked on, and end with something positive, right? That works really well for twos. You have to point out some things to work on, but make sure you point out what's been good because we can get discouraged real quick. Okay. I think we just made it, guys. Wow. One of the things I do want to just um, remind you is when you have your conversations in your, in your groups, be affirming with each other, pray blessing over each other, you know, really talk about how those personality types, how they've been a blessing to you, to the church. And if you have those personality types in your group and you're one of those personality types, this is your chance. Speak up. Share what you personally are, because that's how we're going to grow. When I've talked to other personalities, it reminds me that I can't get everything out of a book. I got to talk to real people and see what real life looks like for you with all of the uniqueness of your story and your cultural makeup. So if you're this personality type, speak up and share what your story is as well. This way we can learn and we can grow and we can love on each other. Sound good? Okay. Amen. on whoa there it is so we'll be heading into our group time right now um i'm just curious by show of hands how many twos in the room first second trade there oh wow um that's a good thing you're in good company i'm a two two well i'm a two two i'm not wearing a two two but i'm a two two <laughs> <laughs> um you know it, it was kind of funny because as brenda was sharing i was sitting there kind of going okay she's kind of telling on me right now like if you know me very well i don't really like people doing things for me but I'll kill myself doing things for other people. Like, I, I have no problem. Like, it makes me feel needed. And if you're a two, you understand what I just said as being really, really accurate. Um, so when you go into your group times, Brenda already mentioned this. If you're going to say something about a two, be really nice. <laughs> because, like, we seriously take it to heart. Like, we think we got to, like, like, it really goes deeply into us. It's, a, it's the heart thing. Um, okay, so Russell's group, you guys are heading to the kitchen. Uh, Jerry's group, you guys are going